Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, forgot to add myself to the stream. What a, what a beginning. Sorry, I'm just too excited. There's quite a lot going on right now. Um, and breathe. And breathe, funnily enough, something quite similar is probably being said to Liz Truss at this very moment. Where to begin? We're doing a very impromptu live stream because I think it would have been kind of rude not to, given the circumstances. Um, if you just joined us, uh, if you just tuned in, uh, maybe you've had a busy day, the Prime Minister's gone. Um, so just to bear in mind, just to put that in perspective, by the time a new Prime Minister takes over, which is probably going to happen in a few, but in a week, that's the time scale. Britain will have had nearly 30% of its prime ministers since World War II in the last six years. So since 2016, about 30% of Britain's prime ministers, bear in mind World War II ended 77 years ago, 30% of them in the last six years. But what makes this even more incredible is there hasn't been a change of government in that time. It's not as though... You know, it's been a period of political instability in the sense that one, you know, there's lots of parties taking over in, you know, Labour, Tory, Labour, Tory, because they're too unstable in government. The same people have been in power. This is a political death cult. It sh- They chewed up David Cameron. They chewed up Theresa May. They chewed up Boris Johnson. They've chewed up Liz Truss, the shortest uh, serving prime minister in the history, of course, of British democracy and now, or just in British history, actually, sorry, democracy aside. Um, and now the next victim is about to take over. Of course, we will be talking about that. Now, obviously, you might think a bit of schadenfreude. I think we need to be careful there because obviously the consequences of what Liz Truss have done are pretty catastrophic for millions of people who've already, and I do always mention the statistic because you can't understand the plight of this country, which has been turned into a burning skip by the Conservatives over the last 12 years. You can't understand the plight without one single statistic. The longest squeeze in living standards for workers since the Napoleonic age. And that is before, that's before what's about to hit. That's before, obviously, in terms of the cost of living crisis, that was already going to be exacerbated. Interest rates are already going to go up. But also, of course, what Liz Truss has done in a absolutely calamitous few weeks in office. People are going to be paying the price of what she's done for years, years to come. Um, so we've got a lot to talk about because what I actually do want to talk about, by the way, which is why we've got Pfizer Shaheen, who's what like one of the best in the business, let's be honest with you. It, the reason I want to talk about it with her is because I think the easy thing to do would just be, you know, well, you've got, if you want political commentary, which is British politics being a soap opera, it's like EastEnders, you know, and you get the kind of end of season finale. We've had quite a lot of end of season finales, to be fair. Um, in the last few years, it's just been one one thing after the other, let's be honest. Um, I don't just want this to be a soap opera, um, even though we'll talk about runners and riders, I'm sure. Actually, I think this is about an economic model which is broken, which cannot provide rising living standards. And I don't think you can understand the political turmoil that has enveloped this country without looking at that basic fact. Um, so we do have a lot to talk about. 
if you're watching live, do you click on the YouTube link and press um, like and subscribe, obviously. Leave your comments. If you want to support the channel, uh, as you notice, we've been very much more active um, as of late. Um, sorry, it's just you can support the show, sorry, with uh, with Super Chat, as Peter O'Donovan has, has just done by saying one long LSD trip. I suppose he's just talking about British politics. I think, I mean, it's a pretty, um, if this is a trip, it's not a good trip. I would say something has gone wrong. You've been, you're either not in a good place when you took the LSD or you've been given some pretty dodgy stuff, which I would not recommend taking um, again. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is, it is, it is a trip. Anyway, you can support us on Super Chat like Peter Donovan has done, which keeps this channel on the road. And obviously, as you can see at the moment, we're just pumping out videos every single day. Uh, obviously, we've got lots of documentaries we've done, like the Tory conference uh, video, like the Labour conference video. Um, and the documentaries that we've got planned because of your support. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash owenjones84 and also you listen to us on the podcast. Right, let's bring in Pfizer. Hello, Pfizer. Ah, you didn't hey. expect me to do that. No. I, I was waiting for you to be like, you know, just turn around. Got it. How you doing? <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's hard to keep on top of things right now, isn't it? It is a little bit. I mean, just to, for those who, I mean, you should know who Pfizer Sheen is. If you don't, then that's your fault, frankly. But so, yeah. Pfizer is a brilliant economist and writer and used to direct the class think tank. But is also now a parliamentary candidate who is literally now going to take, I know you wouldn't want me to say this because you're like, you can't take the voters for granted, fighting for every vote. But standing in Chingford, Woodford, and Chingford and Woodford Green against Ian Duncan Smith, who was obviously... I was going to say one of the worst Tories, but it's just too many. There's too so many. many. He, was, he was Liz Truss's campaign manager, though, so he, he has a lot to answer for. Well, maybe she should, uh, he should appoint Liz Truss's, his campaign manager in the election, just to kind of, <laughs> what do you reckon? That would be great. I mean, I think, I mean, there's such a long list. I mean, they've been in charge for so long now. And, you know, obviously a, a, someone like Ian Duncan Smith that was so involved in Asteria. I mean, there's such a long list of things that he's done. Um, but yeah, at this point, you know, I ran in 2019 as well and got pretty close. But at this point, I think a lot of people have woken up to the absolute disaster, which is the Tories. I mean, I was obviously devastated by 2019 full stop. But that result when you did, because you, you really are like, you're the real deal, Pfizer. I'm sorry, I don't normally just brown <laughs> oh people who come on this show. But you are, because you're just, honestly, you're going to be one. We're so lucky that we've, that Labour have actually, you, you've, you are you have been selected as a parliamentary candidate. Because, <laughs> it wasn't know, easy. No, but you <laughs> yeah, but you won every single branch. People wanted you overwhelmingly. That's what that's what's striking. You came so close last time. But do you know what? People the the next election, which we'll talk about, people are gonna be like, Did you stay up for Ian Duncan Smith? And they're gonna watch millions of people, literally millions of people are gonna watch you with your labor rosette. Uh, kicking Ian Duncan Smith out. It's going to be a joyous moment. Well, let's hope there's a lot of this old guard that goes, right? We need a massive reset in politics. So let's hope it's a night where people stay up because there's one after another. And let's hope it's soon. Boris Johnson gone, maybe. I mean, at the moment, polling would suggest... Smog, you know, yeah. Um, what I might do just quickly um, is people, just just to relive the moment, uh, should we see Liz Truss resigning again? I think we should. Let's just have a little, let's have a little refresh, shall we? I'm of great economic and international instability. Families and businesses were worried about how to pay their bills. Putin's illegal war in Ukraine threatens the security of our whole continent. And our country has been held back for too long by low economic growth. I was elected by the Conservative Party with a mandate to change this. 
We delivered on energy bills and on cutting national insurance. And we set out a vision for a low-tax, high-growth economy that would take advantage of the freedoms of Brexit. I recognise, though, given the situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party. I have therefore spoken to His Majesty the King to notify him that I am resigning as leader of the Conservative Party. This morning I met the chairman of the 1922 committee, Sir Graham Brady. We've agreed that there will be a leadership election to be completed within the next week. This will ensure that we remain on a path to deliver our fiscal plans and maintain our country's economic stability and national security. I will remain as Prime Minister until a successor has been chosen. Thank you. Do you know what? Look, I mean, obviously she's messed up, but, you know, let he who has not set the British economy on fire cast the first stone. Brilliant content creator. Brilliant. Honestly. So many memes. Honestly, Twitter has really kept me going. All of the memes in recent weeks have been amazing. We are, in that way, the British are, like, the best. We do have, like, great people that just jump on and manage to turn everything she says into a meme in five seconds i mean to be fair yeah you're right maybe that's a british kind of feature we should be proud of but she yeah. provided give us some credit she provided a lot of great <laughs> a lot of great material on a plate i would say um oh my word i just want to start yeah so just in terms of because i you know I, i'm going to talk about actually i want to talk about trustonomics that's been quite interested in before we and we'll talk about what comes mm. next kind of stuff. what just firstly what's your reaction to what's just what's just happened and i guess the crisis there's there's a there's a wikipedia page british government crises of 2022 which is now just month by month it's it's just it's it's a very long page is what i'm trying to say what's your just take on just what what has happened to this country yeah i mean i think this is in a way a long term long time coming i think um just kind of recently trustonomics i think one thing that was interesting was just how quickly um, the markets reacted and actually them reacting quite strongly against this type of very obvious um, cut the taxes on the rich, you know, state, what we would call state capture, essentially the, the kind of rich ruling and ruling for themselves um, in this really obvious way at time of crisis. And so, you know, I've been thinking that maybe there is an extreme like the one that Liz presented, that's really obvious to the world that cannot really work anymore. And that's in some ways, that's good news. Um, you know, I don't really like the idea that the markets are dictating our politics. But at the same time, I thought that was interesting the way they reacted, because in the sense, it was the people in the city that were getting a, you know, a pay rise or not having their bonus bonus cap. Um, so I think in that way, it, it was interesting. I think there's a lot of bad news here around the privilege of the elite and the people at the top. The fact that they can just change leadership and do what they want. Even today, hearing you know conservative commentators and MPs talk about not needing a general election, um, I know I, I think that's quite frightening. And that is, for me, as someone that's looked at inequality trends for a long time in the UK and abroad, that level of um, privilege that is really built up through wealth and 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 wealth accumulation at the top is quite frightening the good news is i think that yeah i think potentially we're going to have a realignment now and i think people it's gone too far and people are waking up to that i think the big thing for us though as progressives is like what model we put there in, in, in its place 
Pfizer for future Labour leader. She's great. Already comments coming <laughs> in like that. Um, in terms of trustonomics, I wanted to give, start by giving her some credit. Okay, oddly. In that, a diagnosis she made about Britain being a low-growth economy uh, was correct. What's just slightly odd about it is the, what she venerated, Thatcherism, is because she was taught, she even spoke about growing up in the 1980s, and that's what really drove her into realizing these inequities she had to address. Like, what you mean, Thatcher's Britain, which you grew up in, Liz? Okay, weird, weird flex, but fine. But, but she, like, since the 80s, I mean, the 80s had the same economic growth on average as the 1970s, which is less equitably distributed. And the 70s had a crisis because of the oil shock and so on. But since then, the 90s growth was even lower. The noughties growth was even lower than that, and about the same in the, in the 2010s. And like we can see the mess we've been in the last um, in in the 2020 so far. Obviously, there was COVID, but I mean, she did have. I mean, the, there was a right. The, her diagnosis was correct, wasn't it, about the lack of growth? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is. It's, I mean, I I think a lot of people have a problem with the kind of growth narrative, especially in light of a climate crisis and and the way in which we might want to grow. Um, but I think her diagnosis of the problem may well have been right in but she has also been part of the process of why we have low levels of growth and um the reduction in wages or wage stagnation zero hour contracts the immense insecurity that people have you know consumption culture that means that a lot of people are in debt um these are all things that you know over time mean that an economy is going to stagnate um, and then you are hit by crisis and we live in a world now where there will be crisis after crisis of course the pandemic now with inflation but of course there's going to be multiple climate issues that will weaken food systems all around the world so you know you've got to govern and have policies in a very different way now and this is one of the issues that we're having in response to this crisis that we're doing you know the same old thing that we would do before which is focus on interest rates and that's just not going to work so I think she was right that we have a deep-seated problem of a, a kind of lack of growth, a lack of people feeling there's opportunities for them for good work, um, but a whole set of solutions were entirely incorrect and would make things a lot worse. So in that way, it's great. It's great she's gone. But, you know, the alternative, and this is really scary, is to have more public spending cuts, as if those are the only two options, right? It's, it's unbelievable, really, to be here 12 years later and still be talking about austerity when we know not only is that really bad for public services, you can't do society on the cheap, but also that it squeezes growth. You can't re reduce public spending when people are also not spending. We know, I mean, it's just basic. So I, whatever comes after is also going to be is also not going to deliver. And I think this is the one of the things, right? We heard so much about leveling up. What in any way, in any way, we had leveling up? Not at all. I mean, we're talking about bringing Boris Johnson back, right? I mean, it's... We'll, we'll come on to that. But yeah. before, we come on to, before we talk about austerity as well, and what I found quite striking is actually into take, take corporation tax. Because, you know, under Rishi Sunak, he was going to increase corporation tax from 19%, which it got slashed down to. I think it was 29% when the Tories came to power in 2010. Um, and increase it to 25%. And the argument he made was correct, which was cutting corporation tax hadn't worked because it hadn't increased in investment. So, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that actually blew a hole in a lot of Tory ideology, which is you cut taxes, but it pays for itself because then companies will suddenly invest more, employ more, and you'll get loads of growth. But the, what she was trying to do had been actually so clearly shown to be unworkable that even Rishi Sunak, who was an ideological right winger, had it's he confessed it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, I think it was quite interesting to hear about you know 
increasing taxes from the likes of Rishi Sunak on corporations. The problem is, is that the problems are so wide ranging now that just a bit of a tax increase on corporations without dealing with the way in which shareholders are treated, the way without dealing with the way in which the whole kind of financial market is working and um, without dealing with, um, you know, relatively low um, wages um, and wage stagnation um, and insecurity of work, high house prices and the rest of it. It's just, you, you know, it's one tiny thing to deal with a whole host of problems. And so, um, we still, even with Rishi Sunak, have uh, a government that wouldn't want to spend, um, although, you know, it's, they've made it more difficult to spend and borrow because they've made the UK look like a basket case in terms of uh, global markets. But, you know, actually, you can't you can't solve the problems that we have right now without a big investment program and, and without a fundamental rethink of the way the economy is working. So I just, yeah, I mean, it's, I was very, very, very sure that when Boris Johnson came in with his leveling up agenda that he would fail. Um, and it's failed in like multiple ways politically as well, of course. But and it's because they just don't have the money to back it up. Like there's just, you know, we've had decades of deindustrialization and areas like really left behind. We have, you know, relatively we do really badly in terms of um, education compared to other G7 countries. Um, we have huge inequalities across the country and within cities as well, including London. Um, so I just, I think they'll, you know, they'll bring in someone like Rishi Sunak potentially or Penny or Penny Morden and they'll be, they'll say, oh, this is a calming, this is a way to calm the markets or whatever, but they're not going to have answers to our problems. It's just interesting, just to, just to have a bit of a laugh here. So you, Guido Fawkes, back in August during the leadership race, you can sense the palpable despair of most of the broadsheet punditry as it dawns on them that Liz Truss is in all likelihood going to be Prime Minister and will probably go on to smash Keir Starmer in the general election. <laughs> Isn't there so many mad things like that just a few weeks ago? I, I always have to say, I always found this... Like, I'm not, like, obviously, I get things wrong, but but on this on Liz Truss, I never understood it. I, I understood... I keep saying this, so if people have heard that, I'm sorry I keep saying it, but David Cameron, I got, you know, like he had the Blair-type communication thing. I got that. Theresa May, I got the kind of, she cultivated this public-spirited, flashy image um, until she blew up. Boris Johnson, again, he'd be mayor of London and um, had a kind of personality that appealed to a section of the electorate. Liz Truss didn't understand what the hell that was about. Didn't understand any, like, it was just kind of very unpopular right-wing libertarian economics Terrible communicator, didn't, anyway, never understood why anyone took that seriously myself. Just on, in terms of the impact, before, because we'll talk about, I want to talk about political instability and the root of it, but what, how terrible, like, we were already, I mean, if you want to, if you like, tell us what the economic landscape you think is going to look like in Britain and how badly has Liz Truss and the economic programme made it worse in the long term? Yeah, so I'm really lucky right now to work with a number of countries around the world, including some rich countries that have, you know, gone in quite hard and quite quickly in terms of protecting the poorest in society from the impacts of inflation rises. I was at the annual meetings of the World Bank and the IMF last week, which is not a comfortable place for a socialist anti-imperialist to be. Um, but they, you know, we were the butt of every joke. Everyone wanted to ask me what's going on in the UK. You guys are like making all the wrong decisions. You know, Liz Truss isn't lying. Of course, inflation and there's a, there's a global problem. But we've really dealt with this and, and taken every wrong turn. Um, and so what does this look like? What it looks like um, 
yeah, potentially a recession. I think that's very likely. I think it looks like people's mortgages drastically going up. I think, um, you know, it's frightening. We in Chinkford and Woodford Green have had um, a block, which used to be Walthamstow Dog Stadium, for people that know, um, which is housing now, L&Q Manage. And they've just uh, given Section 21 to like 28 households. And these households are in deep trouble the amount of rent that they'll have to pay to move somewhere else is just like shocking. Um, these are families are in deep stress. I mean, this is a this is a time of profound insecurity for many, many people and not just working class people, actually, a lot of middle class homeowners as well. Um, and that does not bode well, because when people are insecure, they're not going to spend money. Um, you know, businesses are insecure as well. They're not going to employ more people. Um, and so we are uh in in for a period of great difficulty in terms of the economics of it and you know it's really important to humanize it i think often you know economists talk about the bigger picture but it's really important to remember that people are getting served you know and these are u-turns that the government has made as well like people are being kicked out of their homes right now and this is just the beginning the thing i was going to talk about because obviously there we can just see how worse things are going to get things are going to get and i really think we haven't absorbed just how terrible things are going to get. And actually now with the pairing back of the economic support package for energy bills, people are looking at 5,000 pound energy bills, not sustainable. It just isn't possible for people to be able to spend that amount of money on the energy bills. But my theory is my working theory of the political turmoil of the last six years is Tory prime minister after Tory prime minister, they're being felled by an economic model that doesn't produce rising living standards. Take David Cameron, would the Brexit result have happened without resentment at stagnating living standards? I don't think so. I think that pushed it over the line. That got rid of him. Theresa May, the snap general election of 2017, when she thought she'd wipe out the Labour Party. Well, Labour surged in large part because, again, anger at stagnating living standards, which people thought Labour had a better answer to. And um, Again, uh, Boris Johnson. People might go, well, that was Pygate, wasn't it? But it was a combination of people's anger at his illicit party, well, the illicit partying in government and his lying about it, and the fact the cost of living crisis was accelerating um, and the government weren't addressing it. And you could see that in the polling throughout, you know, this year, a lot of that was feeding into the anger at Boris Johnson. And that partly mm. led to his downfall too. Liz Truss, I don't even need to explain. I mean, that's right, isn't it? The economic model is at the root of actually this country's almost comical political, not comic, I mean, it isn't comical, it's actually quite tedious, political turmoil. Yeah. I mean, there's another part of what's happened there. So you're right, absolutely, on the economy and the stagnating living standards, the fact that people just don't think their their children's lives are going to be better than theirs or their own lives if they're young, right? And that's that's not really what the social contract that we have with our the people that govern us. That's, you know, we're used to kind of generation on generation being better off. I think the thing that's missing from that is actually at the same time, the wealth accumulation at the top has given um, those in power um, this sense of entitlement and privilege that's so deep and profound that they can think like right now we can just exchange leaders and no one's going to really push back. The public aren't going to stand up to us. We can just continue to lie, put out divisive narratives, um, you know, whether it's about dividing the working class by white and non-white, whether it's about, you know, distracting us with, you know, really horrible and horrific narratives. Um, it's, you know, they've been able to do that till now, give their friends, you know, PPE contracts and the rest of it. We've seen this absolute ability, which is corruption. I mean, we've, this ability for the very rich to rule the country and do what they want. 
um, because they have got a lot richer and they've had an establishment around them that has got a lot richer as well. Um, but now I think what we're seeing at points is this clashing of, of that, who very out of touch people trying to do exactly the wrong thing with the fact that people are like, okay, it's 12 years now. And you don't, like you say, have a charismatic leader that's that hasn't been caught out yet in terms of his lies with Boris Johnson. And so, you know, that rude awakening, I think, is very much what we're seeing right now. Um, but, you know, as we've learned in the last few weeks, you know, even a, a week is a long time in politics, as they say. And so we shouldn't be complacent about the fact that the Tories may may rebuild in some way or another in the next few months. We'll come on to that. Um, well, that's what we're about to ask you now, actually. I mean, just, just in terms of, well, another fact about Liz Truss, she's become the shortest serving prime minister in history, beating the previous record holder, George Canning, who died of tuberculosis. 119 days into the job. Actually, that's a lot longer. She only had 44 days. As people have noted, she stood for leader longer than she was actually prime minister its, itself. But in terms of what happens next, so... Um, here we go. Let's have a look. Yeah. So but basically what's been decided before we came on air, um, Graeme Brady, who chairs the 1922 Committee of Backbenchers, which basically sets rules for the parliamentary party and how the leadership election will be governed. So candidates need to get 100 MPs supporting them by Monday at 2 p.m. if they want to get through. Members vote if there's more than one. Now, that is people think that will stop Boris Johnson, that they don't think that he'll get 100 MPs to back his bid. If we look at how candidates did last time, Rishi Sunak got 137, Listros got 113, Penny Morden got 105. I mean, it'd be interesting because you'd think a significant chunk of Truss's supporters may well go to Boris Johnson. I think few, very few of Sunak, obviously. There's huge bad blood now between the Sunak mm. and Johnson camps. I mean, it will, I think it's likely to be Rishi Sunak or Penny Morden based on that 100 um, figure. It's clear, isn't it? Whatever happens, they're going to do austerity. That's what's going to happen now. It's going to be cuts to public services. But I guess the issue there might put devil's advocate go, well, maybe they don't have a choice. If they don't do cuts, the markets will go haywire again and, um, and we'll be back into turmoil. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Well, I think there is a choice. I think um, there was a really good comment on Financial Times, a, a banker had written, I don't know if you saw it a few weeks ago, which was like the most light comment on the day of the mini budget, disaster budget, um, that just said that actually, I, yeah, this makes me richer, but it, we can't actually function without public services, without good public services. And the problem here, again, is that, you know, the trade unions are doing an stellar job. People are getting very, very angry. 
you know, when you're going to have nurses out, teachers out, when you have different public sector workers saying this is enough, I think that there's enough people within the, the public that understand that it's too much. Remember, Boris Johnson came in and won by saying he wasn't going to do austerity and by saying that he was going to level up. He had actually adopted a lot of lines from the political left in order to get in. And so this is hugely going to be hugely unpopular. Um, and so they and it's really important that we keep saying that there are other options here. They don't need to cut in this way. And it's ideological. I mean, it's the same thing. It will just be about small state, you know, getting the NHS ready to privatize more parts of it. I don't think we should shy away from saying that what it is. And I think in a way they they can play us if they say, well, we can't cut taxes. So therefore we have to do austerity. No, you don't have to do austerity. And, um, you know, we owe money to the Bank of England. It's a very different situation. Listen, I'm working with countries around the world that actually don't have any fiscal space. And they're still trying everything they can to make sure they deliver for services for people. So um, we really do need to get ready to call them out on this. And I think, you know, the Labour Party has got much stronger lines um, in the last um, few months on just pushing back on these arguments. I mean, the part of interview, for example, Gary Stevenson, who people might know, you know, obviously, he's, called, he's a former city trader. People might think, oh, unlikely person to be making these arguments. He made his, he was the most profitable city trader. He made his millions, some from working class background, but when he was in his early 20s, by betting that inequality would mean that Britain would not recover um, have a proper economic recovery from the financial crash, and he was right, and that's 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 why he made his 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 money basically. But his argument now actually is there is actually an economic imperative for taxing the rich and wealth in particular more than ever now, because you know yeah the cost of borrowing now has gone up. It's not like twenty ten onwards when that was a squandered time when the cost of borrowing was so low that you know you could have borrowed to invest and and the Tories cut slash capital spending, they slash public services. Um, but now the cost has gone up. But that just says now, well, actually, you clearly just have to increase taxes on, on, on wealth to avoid austerity, which has already strangled the economy and caused political turmoil. Yeah, I think there's a combination of things that can happen here. Absolutely, I agree. Um, and when you've had wealth accumulation so strong, I mean, over COVID, you know, we had the billionaires, like the, the wealth doubled while everyone else was struggling. I mean, it's... You can do an energy levy taxes. You can do what we call um, solidarity wealth taxes. You know, so essentially you tell a story about this really difficult time that we are having and you say, well, we're going to tax, we're going to put an extra tax on wealth or higher incomes and we're going to recycle that back into supporting people. And absolutely, absolutely, now's the time to make that argument. Other countries are making that argument and putting those taxes in place and Europe, the EU is doing it as well. And um, we can make that argument. I think you, you still have to look at where we can borrow to invest. And I think this is where it becomes very important to have um, a very clear plan of investment that returns in terms of more highly paid jobs, because actually markets will react when they sh when you they can see that a government has a plan for not just investing to spend, you know, not just taking not just borrowing to spend, but spend in something that will return and make the country stronger over time. And so that that's the sort of conversation that needs to be had. It's um, and it is the combination of the two. So I think, you know, the problem is so big that we can't just alone um, focus on taxing the rich, although that's a, that is definitely part of it. But we, we need to have a, 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 a investment plan as well that goes along that, aside that. Um, I'll just go through some of the comments from the super chats. I'm not, David Brown, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to answer this question later because um, 
basically, we're so lucky to have, um, obviously, Pfizer selected. And the one thing I'm not going to do is get Pfizer in trouble with the Labour Party at all costs. That's don't get me in trouble. Not going to do that. <laughs> David, David Baratta says, if we get an election this year, polls are predicting the near alienation of the Tories and Labour gaining 500 plus seats. That would make Keir the most powerful man in the country. What that looks like, death of the left. So I'm not going to get you to answer that. But maybe it just shows that actually Labour will have a historic opportunity if they won that big a majority, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, listen, one thing that when there's a Labour government that has that many, that bigger majority or even anything close to that, it's, it doesn't have to play into the same horrific narratives of anti-immigration. And, you know, it just can be um, unapologetic in terms of having uh, very clear progressive stances on what we do with the economy, how we build society, how we build unity between each other, you know, how we build trust again in government and, you know, have transparency, have democracy. Um, and so I think that the this is um, not that kind of majority is not just like, oh, uh, an opportunity just to be like relaxing. And I think that Kerstam understands that. I do think that we, you know, this that would be an opportunity to change things for better, you know, learning some of the lessons from the last time we were in government um, and I think, oh, it would be wonderful. It would be wonderful to just have so few Tories. Oh my God, to yeah. like all these years I mean, of going on TV and having to be like three Tories and yourself, you know, it'd be amazing to have that that switch. I mean, just on that, myself, what I would say, because people, I know there are those that go, well, actually, I mean, there are some people who are maybe I'm called Blairites were like, haha, the left will be rendered irrelevant. But actually, what I think will happen is Labour will obviously raise expectations by getting rid of the Tories that, you know, the role of the left in that position will be to try and get Labour to be as transformative and radical as, as, as possible, because it's not like New Labour in 1997, which came to power in a time of relative social peace, um, because the economy was growing because of an unsustainable financial bubble, but it was growing and living standards are going up. This time they're going to come to power in a massive, massive social catastrophe. So the role of the left, I think, particularly outside Parliament, will be to put pressure on them. Uh, Kieran Buckley, I feel Penny Mordaunt's PM could squeeze out a win in the next election. She's not riddled with scandals like Sunak and Johnson are. I don't know about you, I thought she was the one to worry about when she stood last time, before she stood, but her leadership campaign was, like, ridiculous, I thought. I mean, she was seen for just on one thing as a kind of trans ally, and then she just came up with these really just gross jokes about trans people and didn't win anyone's respect. It just looked stupid and ridiculous. You know, I, I'm not sure... I don't buy the Penny Mordaunt thing. I thought she did a good parliamentary performance against Angela Rayner once, which is why she got a load of hype. I I wouldn't be that worried about Penny Mordaunt myself if I were Labour. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, I think she appeals to the Tory base. Um, but I think I'm not really clear about what her ideas are, how she would you know, move the mm. country forward. And I don't know that she has any. I mean, she would have said them surely during the camp her campaign. Um, and so I'm not worried about that. I think one thing that um, will be really frustrating if Rishi Sunak comes in is that the immediate story will be like the first non-white prime minister and it will just be so frustrating and they'll be able to use that because unfortunately too many people in the media will like start reaching out and, you know, wanting to make that a story. They'll use that as some cover to be like, this is new, this is exciting. And I think that is, apart from it being total rubbish because, mm -hmm. you know, it's not representation in the way that you would hope. Um, you know, it's not a change of ideas. Um, then I, but you know, they'll have some space to use that. So yeah, I would be more worried about Rishi Sunak. Kanak Aaron says, "Can you speak on trust being the first prime minister since Macmillan to not have a Doctor Who premiere during her tenure?" 
<laughs> that's, a, that's a really it's just a really funny statistic uh you might be able to explain i'm not um intelligent enough to understand this question or not straight statement Stuart atkinson as a stem guy as in stem s-t-e-m mm. i shouldn't be having to explain to economic folk that you can't run a water wheel or any cycle trying to keep the water at the apex i don't know what that means i've tried oh well it's too clever for me as well but yeah. um Roger, Roger, will the Tories get on the front foot to save themselves by windfalling the banks as well as big energy? Surely they don't have to move far now to be on the left of Labour on tax policy. Well, it's interesting because um, people forget Margaret Thatcher in 1981 did a windfall tax on the banks because they'd hiked interest rates so much. Um, banks obviously then profited from it. And even Thatcher then did a windfall tax. So actually Liz Truss in refusing a windfall tax on energy companies was to the right. Um, of Margaret Thatcher in the early 1980s. What a place to be. I don't know. I wonder now, what I think is interesting is, do you think they'll have to just, I mean, will they have to do something, give something on the economy, basically, to given what they've done is been so disastrous? But I think as well, do you think this really has buried right-wing economic ideas in the way that in the, the 70s is used like the winter discontent to go oh, the left you know collectivism this is what happens in the same way if any politician says we need to cut taxes on the rich people go oh you want to return to the bad old days when you crash the economy doing that do you know what i mean i do think there'll be a bit of that i wonder like if iea and like taxpayers alliance and all of those guys if their phone has stopped ringing from the media you know they were like always on tv saying this rubbish about this economic model of trickle down and they've been very clearly shown that it's just not gonna work and so um i wonder if this could be a time when you know that's just kind of shut out it's just not a possibility um let's hope i mean that would be a good outcome i mean it's it's been proven so many times. I can't believe we're going through this again. It makes me feel really old, honestly, that we just um, feel like I'm just having the same arguments that I had 20 years ago. Same. Um, I suppose, because I call this general election now, just funny, really. I mean, the problem is, I mean, obviously it is ludicrous. You know, it's one thing to get rid of a prime minister and replace them with another. That Labour have done that. Blair and Brown, they did that. But to do that twice is, is really taking the piss, if we're going to be honest with you. Um, but there's over the latest that they can call an election is January 2015. Sorry, 2025. That is miles away. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I don't, sorry, I just feel a bit nauseous. That is a long time. And mm -hmm. I just wonder, you know, obviously public opinion overwhelmingly wants an election. Um, but the Tories would kind of have to be suicidal to do that because they'd get wiped out. So it, they'll just, they'll hang on, won't they, for dear life? I'd imagine. I think they'll all hang on because they just don't care enough. I'm sorry, they don't care enough about the country to just leave and like lose their jobs. Um, I think, um, well, just to say, actually, just a quick plug, we're having a campaign day on in Woodford on the 5th of November and people need to come down and we need to do whatever we can, protest, you know, go and knock on the doors of political candidates that you like. And, you know, just to show like, look, this is not okay. This is just not okay. You can't just like swap in and out leaders without the rest of us having a say. I mean, it was bad enough with Liz Truss when, what was it, like 200,000 people? But I mean, like now it's like no one, like it will be just the MPs um, that vote for whoever our prime minister is. And, and traveling a lot over the last year, people ca cannot believe, like people ask me all the time, like, is that, can they just do that? And I'm like, yeah, they can just do that. But we really need to cause a lot of noise about that and just demonstrate that it's not okay. Um, I do think that they will try and hold on. I think 
it would be if they called an election now, then of course they would do really, really badly. And who's going to want to take that on? I'm just wondering, like what Rishi Sunak and Penny Morden are thinking right now. They're not going to want to come in, call an election, and lose their job within also be another shortest running prime minister. You know, it's um, they're going to wait at least until May. But if you can build the public pressure, actually, someone made a good point to me about the coronation and if they could use that, you know, a kind of surge of nationalism. I don't know, try and like tie it with that somehow um i think some tory mps will be like i'm gonna lose my job let me go and get a better paid job right now and that might cause some by-elections to happen so it will be very unstable but whether they have to cause a call a general election i think i don't think they have to but it i don't think it won't be 2025 i think it will be next year blimey Sorry, just thinking just how long left and... Uh, I know, they're just well, destroying everything. We can't really um, have them there much longer. It's extremely... But whatever, you know, whatever I say about Keir Starman, I have said it. And, you know, I've always said, you know, well, I've always voted Labour. Unlike some of my detractors on social media who voted for the Liberal Democrats not that long ago, were like, why are you so critical of Labour? Well, I'm an independent commentator. It's not my job to work for Labour Party, to be honest. I'm not a press officer of Labour Party. But, I mean, you know... Whatever my problems with the current Labour Party, getting rid of the Tories would be, I have to say, a huge relief. And it's the pre, whatever we think, it's the precondition, uh, whatever anyone thinks, sorry about Labour, whatever reservations they might have, it is the precondition for this country being able to get out of, it, out of the absolute mess we're in. Just finally, just to emphasise the plug uh, of Isaac, do go and campaign for her. Um, go, look up, just Google, I suppose if you go Pfizer Shaheen, it'll come up with your website. Pfizer for Chinkford. Pfizer for Chinkford. Um, but also, yeah, 5th of November. I don't think I, it's on my Instagram. I need to tweet about it, actually. That's terrible of me to plug it without tweeting about That's it. But, right. yeah. We can do it. We, and, and presumably, you know, go and do that and then go and have your fireworks afterwards. What a treat. Um, so do that. She's going to be an amazing MP. Um, so it'll be, you know, I suppose, in a way, our AOC. No pressure. Um, just, I wish. <laughs> just to, I'm just going to leave you on the um, some final words from Liz Truss. This is I'm a fighter and not a quitter. <laughs> Turns out she was a quitter, not a fighter. Very sad. Um, the Liz Truss era has come to a tragic end. We won't miss the terrible destruction she's inflicted on millions of people in the economy. We will miss some of the content um, that she has generated for us. Um but hopefully this is the death rattle of a Conservative Party, which has presided over the worst turmoil this country's had since the end of World War II. Longest, two decades, we're going to have two decades of lost living standards, an absolute catastrophe for millions and millions of people. Um, so let's hope this isn't just the fall of Liz Trust, but also not just the fall of the Tories, but hopefully the beginning of an end of an economic model and a right-wing economic ideology which has unleashed mayhem um, in this country and millions of people have, and I'm afraid will continue to pay the price until we do something about that. Pfizer, you've been an inspiration as ever. So thank you so much for joining us and no, um, go and knock on doors for everyone. Lots of love. Yeah. I'll see you soon. I owe you a drink. Lots of love. See you soon. Bye. Bye bye. Great stuff from Pfizer. She is an icon, I would say. Um, yeah, I just thought we should go live because, um, because of the burning skip. Let me just go through, yeah, some super chats again. Thank you to Josephine Cameron. 
Uh, thank you to, uh, oh, hello. Sorry, I'm not doing this very well. Uh, I normally put them in a document, but I've messed that up. Well, someone else does, but they're not here. <laughs> so it's just me and my own flying blind. Um, thank you to Canuck Errant. Uh, thank you to David Bowater as ever. Thank you to Roger Roger. Uh, thank you to Stuart Atkinson. Uh, thank you to Rebecca, who says People's Assembly demo in London, 5th of November. So if people want to go and march then, I think that's a very good idea. Uh, thank you to Dan Brooks, who says, I'm too old, too ill for this chaos, but I've been spun out by Dizzy Lizzie, which makes me look unintentionally sexist by saying that. Join the union. Yeah, Dizzy Lizzie. Not sure about that. Um, but I hope you're okay. <laughs> because, yeah, all my best, obviously, there. Uh, Paul Whelan, who obviously rightly says Pfizer for future Labour leader. Uh, thank you to uh, Yushikini Ram. Some dollar for the tofu-eating Rokarati fund. Oh, yeah. Last thing about the Braverman thing. Someone said, let me bring up... Oh, no, I, I probably won't be able to find the tweet in time. I should have done this earlier. Um, there was just an extremely funny um, uh, tweet, basically. Um, if I can just find it, because it was so good. Um, oh, yeah, people have noted that the lettuce, of course, has outlived um, Liz Truss. The Daily Star got a lettuce to see if it would survive Liz Truss. It did. Um, Sean Barlett said about Suella Braverman, people might have seen her ranting about tofu eating Guardian readers. Suella Braverman just not hitting it like Pretty did. It kind of feels like Mucha and Amel, for those who aren't aware, this is the sugar babes he's talking about. Um, Mucha. Um, was replaced by ML. Obviously going for the same vibe, but the magic's gone. Doesn't have the range. Pretty was scary to live under. Um, this one, it's just like, oh, tofu eaters, is it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was too, she was too much of a caricature, Suella Braverman, for it to work. Pretty was actually just quite disturbing in lots of ways, I thought. Suella Braverman was just like, come on, you're just kind of reading out Daily Mail and Daily Telegraph headlines. <laughs> we can all do that. Um, but obviously it was still funny when she went. Um, yes. So... Um, yeah, I think I just wanted to come live because of what's happened. Do check out my interview with Gary Stevenson, which I mentioned. It's on the channel. He's a former Citibank trader who makes a very the economic case against austerity. That's very important. Not just the moral case, but the economic case um, as well. We've got lots of videos coming up. Uh, as you say, we've been doing one a day at the moment. You can press like on this video, subscribe. Do leave your comments. I do read them, including the ones which are very insulting. But I've got thick skin. So, you know, I'm from Stockport. Um... And uh, yeah, do, do support some patreon.com forward slash ownjoes84. You keep the show on the road. You think I do this by, well, I did try doing this by myself and I have struggled, if I'm honest. Um, and uh, thanks for the super chats. Um, just in terms of what comes next, we're going to be having lots of coverage of the Tory leadership race, uh, the possible return of Boris Johnson. Now that limit's there, I don't think it's going to be Boris Johnson, guys. I think it's going to be Rishi Sunak or probably him. Um, or Penny Morden. I think what will be interesting about Rishi Sunak is obviously a lot of the Johnson camp hate him. They think he knifed Boris Johnson in the back um, by resigning, if people remember, um, just before Boris Johnson's final departure. Um, and as a consequence, you know, we've seen the kind of hard right, the conservatives, they're just ungovernable. Um, I don't think they're going to go, oh, well, we better quiet down a bit because otherwise we'll screw the Tories in election. I think they've just become too radicalised and too extreme. So I think if Rishi Sunak takes over, he'll face constant rebellion from Johnson's true blue diehard supporters. Um, they don't see him as one of... I mean, even though he was a Brexiteer, he campaigned for Brexit, and he's a right-wing ideologue. Also, we need to nail Rishi Sunak, by the way, um, in terms of, you know, this guy um, during COVID uh, brought lockdown sceptics into number 10, um, people might remember, I mean, maybe 
don't want to think about the pandemic era for obvious reasons, but we had um, the after the first lockdown when infections were surging, he successfully stopped restrictions being reimposed, which just meant that infection spiraled out of control. And then we had to have the November lockdown and then, of course, the long winter uh, to spring lockdown of 2021, partly because of that, you know, because we didn't act quickly enough because of Rishi Sunak. And Rishi Sunak did eat out to help out, which which spurned a load of, um, of course, uh, clusters of COVID, which killed people. Uh, Rishi Sunak boasted during the Tory leadership campaign, or the video came out then, of taking money from poor urban areas to give to affluent conservative areas. Absolutely outrageous. He also called uh, in that leadership election for people who were like defiled British history, as he put it, or whatever. I can't remember the exact terms. People who basically say uncomfortable truths about British history to be referred to the uh, to like prevent or counter terrorism or counter extremism programs. Uh, it's the sort of you know authoritarian, scary policy you'd expect from Viktor Orbán's Hungary. Um, I mean, this guy, obviously, we saw in terms of his tax arrangements, all the rest of it, you know, this guy is a multi-billionaire, well, sorry, multi-million, I don't know, he's the richest MP by long margin. Uh, but, you know, I, the idea he's suddenly some sort of moderate, like, give me another one, like, absolutely ludicrous. He's a right-wing ideological conservative who is one of the guilty men who plunged this country into disaster. And I hate the way you get this all of a sudden. People are like, oh, here's a decent conservative. You know, they always do this with... With Tories who have a long history of slashing public services, slashing the welfare state, doing horrible things on immigration and refugees. But, you know, for a lot of liberals, I'm sorry, politics is, I always say this, but it's a vibe. It's not about substance. Like, take Rory Stewart. You know, Rory Stewart backed Theresa May's Brexit deal, but they were like, oh, he's almost like a Remain on, like, evil Brexiteer Jeremy Corbyn, who opposed Theresa May's Brexit because he said it was too hard. Um, whilst, you know, and Rory Stewart was an ideological support of austerity, which is what has led this country into a mess. But people are like, oh, he sounds, he's 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 rational and sensible. You know, it just seems, again, you've got this with Jeremy Hunt. Jeremy Hunt, again, he's not going to stand for leader, by the way. But Jeremy Hunt, you know, the NHS is in a mess because of him, in large part. You know, it had the longest squeeze, the worst squeeze in its funding since, as a proportion of the economy, since its founding under him. Massive staff shortages. Even he conceded that. Uh, left us unprepared uh, for the pandemic and obviously the growing, you know, aging population and social crisis in this country. And he is an ideological support of austerity. He said that. He said George Osborne and David Cameron were geniuses for managing to get public acquiescence for austerity. So obviously he wants to do austerity all over again because he's ideologically committed to it. Um, and again, Penny Morden, you know, again, supported all. I mean, I know she's presented as a clean skin, but again, she's got this government's policies. She's got, you know, her paws all over the terrible, um, terrible government policies that have been introduced with devastating consequences. You know, they've all got to go, all of them. This is a death call and they've got to go anyway. Um, and I will be back certainly on Sunday, but we might do more lives because the country's constantly in turmoil, but we have got great guests to come. Um, I hope you're doing uh, well and I will speak to you soon. Lots of love, everyone. Take care. Thank you for listening, everyone. I hope you found that educational interesting engaging and all sorts of other things do support us on patreon.com forward slash ownjones84 you keep doing the podcast and the channel uh with our incredible team's work or use the support function in the description and do subscribe and leave us a review please some stars any of those things um but otherwise lots of love hope you well speak to you soon imagine 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.